y'all. Welcome back. I am I am so excited. I've actually been wanting to have this guy on for a while, and our uh, our schedules were were you know it, it happens. People are busy. People are pe- people got stuff going on. You know, no, no big deal. But uh, y'all, seriously, uh, Eric is here. He's going to help me interview an old old friend of ours. Like, we haven't seen each other in like a decade, bro. Uh, Blake Taylor is here, and dude, I've got <laughs> so many questions to ask you. But like right right now, how's life, man? Where, where are you living? But also, where are you right right now? Right right now, I find myself in the. Northeast, one of the original 13 colonies. I am in Connecticut. Uh, Lovely. But, you know, how am I doing? I'm doing all right. I'm back in America. Sometimes it feels like the American dream. Sometimes it feels like the American nightmare, man. I don't know what it, which one it is. It's, it, <laughs> and it changes, like, day to day, like hour to hour. It's, it, is, it is wild out here. But, yeah, so uh, are, are, you, are you still coaching Texas State? Is that right? Are you coaching rugby? I yeah I coached my first That's season awesome. of rugby last year and we were pretty kick-ass. We destroyed everyone in our conference, everyone they put in front of us. Uh, no shit. We had A and M running scared, UT. None of them wanted to play us. Smash Baylor at home, and we went all I, the I way. I do not believe that. I can't. I, oh, I, yeah. I have to stand up for my Bears. <laughs> I didn't even know we had a team, but I'm certain our team's awesome. That's what's Dude, up. E, did you even know Texas State had a rugby team? I, I was not aware, but I was not the most at, uh, biggest fan of the athletic department. When, like, the College World Series was on, I was like, yeah, fuck Stanford. But before that, I was, like, had no idea what was happening. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fantastic. That's, so, dude, that's awesome, honestly. Um, well, okay, I've got a bunch of questions about rugby because that's all yeah, – there's, there's so many things I'm intrigued about. But before we do that, uh, although, hello, any HP listeners. I know we get a spike when we have HP guests. Hi, y'all. Love you. Thank you for listening. But for everybody else – who might not know you, sir, uh, personally. We have a very professional, uh, very scientific personality quiz. These are deep dives. Are you ready? Are you ready to bear your soul? Yeah. Listo. All right. <laughs> well, brace yourself. First one's hard hitting. Your toothbrush, is it electric or manual? Man, I got one of each, but I'll be honest, I use the manual one more. The uh, electric Be-time. one is a Chinese one, a Mi. It's called a Mi, like Xiaomi, the company. Okay. And uh, I don't know, man. I just like a quick brush. I like to just uh-huh. get in and get out with the brushing. I feel like flossing is probably actually more important than brushing if you get right Fair. down to it. But when you use the electric, you feel like you have to settle in for like a two-minute brush fest? And I'm just not convinced it's doing the work because I'm not working. You know, if that makes sense? Because it's just... That's a very American stance. I know. It actually does make sense, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I buy that completely. That's fantastic. <laughs> okay, uh, next question. Next question. Favorite board game? Oh, man. Uh, it, it'd be Risk or Monopoly. One of those two. Okay. Okay. Man, uh, yeah. We, we, uh, Stephen Allen, friend of the show, we've had some, I mean, E, I know you did it. Epic Risk. That is such a good game. I, I wasn't thinking along those lines because mine are all kids. Like I, I got little kids. Like we play Candyland and like you know Connect Four or whatever. Risk is you need six hours, but man, that is a game. That, that is quite the game. Joe, have you all lost right. to your kids at Connect Four like genuinely yet? Have you lost to Raiden genuinely at Connect Four yet? Uh, genuinely, no, because uh, he we were we played a lot of chess. He, both my kids love chess, uh, which is awesome because their schools into it and they play at school, so they come home when they want to play. And uh, one time. 
I was like half paying attention. I was watching basketball, but then also playing chess with, with Raiden, and uh, and he beat me, man. Like he, I, 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 I was like, and I'm not going to say that I was like <laughs> obviously zero percent focused, but I wasn't a hundred percent. But I was somewhere in the middle where I was paying attention. I should have seen what he was setting up, and I didn't. And he actually beat me. And my look of shock, he must have registered it because like usually he's a pretty good like he's a good winner, good loser. I'm trying to teach him. You say good game. No matter what, win or lose, good game. That's all you say. Don't fucking – I don't say fucking to him. But I'm like, dude, you just say good game. I'm, I'm trying to teach both my kids that. But he must have seen my shock because he celebrated more than he's ever celebrated. So now I can't – I cannot give him Connect 4, bro. I cannot do it. I'm sure it's coming soon. I'm not that smart. But it, not yet. Not. Connect not 4, you, you just reminded me of a funny Connect 4 connection. It is – don't ever play a Thai bar girl in Connect 4. They will okay. fuck you up. Trust me. <laughs> that's a, so that's a big tie game then, I assume. Is, is that just well, something I do? Well, they're just sat around the bar. It's these, it's these go-go bars in Thailand or, you know, in Southeast Asia. And we found ourselves in a few as, as a rugby club tri- touring around. <laughs> and they got Connect Four and they got the pool table. And they're going to try to hustle you on both. So just oh, be aware of that. dollars. They want you. That's fantastic, dude. I want so many. I want all of those stories that you have. Like, I, in fact, I'm going to skip a couple of these questions. Just move to the last one that I wanted to ask you. If you had to get a face tattoo or be thrown in prison for 20 years, which would you choose? I'm guessing it's face tattoo. What would you get? Yeah, it would be the face tattoo because you know that Man. might happen anyway if you get thrown in that prison for 20 years. <laughs> What would, choice. what would I get? I don't. Yeah, if, if you know, back to the wall, whatever. How about whatever scenario forces you to get one? How about like a little comic book, like thing that shows like a wiener's poking at my cheek on one side? That'd be a good one. <laughs> that is an incredible answer. <laughs> <laughs> that is not at all where I thought this was going but that's fucking fantastic I mean you you got a face tattoo so you're already a fucking knob just so you may as well just look like a wiener's poking out of one of your cheeks just fully commit to the bit (laughs) that is easily a top five answer to the personality quiz so far well played sir yes Um, so to to, to just try to veer into all the international shit what made you go from... Because you were at Texas State, right? You Didn't you go to Texas State for a bit? Or maybe always or whatever? I, I swear we I, crossed once or twice. I graduated from there. I tried the, the football thing, and I realized it was just absurd, and they were running my life for no reason, and I don't really care for football that, all that much anymore, but... That's a that's a different that's a whole another story, but we're gonna get to that. You know? I want your opinions on so football. So I, rugby, I split time. Freshman year was half Mary Harden Baylor, which felt like thirteenth grade, like a, a Hyde Park rerun <laughs> Shout or something. Out to Tanner Vaughn, like can't up, couldn't bro? do it, couldn't do it, man. And then I went out to Stephen F. Austin because Travis Patrick was there, my homie, oh, man. my homeboy, and uh, I just wanted to have a bit of fun. And then that was kind of druggy, methy, East Texas, Piney Woods. And Oof, I was like, no. man, I don't know about this either. And then then I got over to Texas State, and that's where I stuck it out and finished my degree at. So how did you get from Texas State to Thailand? I didn't go to Thailand, but uh, Texas, so I got graduated Texas State. Actually ended up teaching a couple of years special ed in uh, South Austin. Hmm. Then I was like, hey, man, I've been in the same place 
my whole life and like I'm kind of life is kind of on the rails so to speak like I need to get off these rails and like get off road a little bit and just get out of here I gotta get out of here I knew I had to yeah. get out and uh, I, I, I started f- figuring out stuff about uh, teaching ESL abroad and that and like that's so I went to Korea firstly for a year Oh, cool. And was just teaching English, just being a, a TEFL monkey. Just kind of like. Oh, I'm sorry, a what? TF, TEFL, like the certificate you get. So you just, I just call it, oh, oh. I just call it a TEFL monkey because they just, <laughs> they just want you to like follow the book and play games and be the smiley white guy that's doing the English. And you're kind of like a monkey. You're just kind of jumping <laughs> around uh, doing the English teacher thing. And then I realized I could teach international school because I had all the credentials from having taught back in the States, so I was certified. Oh, yeah. So, like, that's when I took the uh, took the act of Vietnam, and, like, I had to teach be a TEFL monkey for, for a spell, and then I caught on with an international school and, like, ended up teaching at that school for five years. So that's just kind of how it went. I just knew I needed to get out into the world and just throw myself out there and See what was up. Can I ask how you it decided on Asia or Korea or Vietnam? Like, was there yeah. specific things that went into choosing those destinations, or was it just like they'll have me here, so I'm going here? <laughs> it was it was a lot of that. <laughs> Plus, uh, not, I heard that they like to put white guys on a pedestal there. The women, that is. Is that there true? <laughs> like when you got there, is that true? It was absolutely true. Hundred <laughs> percent true. Damn. I'll be dead, bro. I'm not even mad at you. When I was in England one time, I was hanging out with a couple of drunk people at the bar, and uh, they found out I was from America, and blah. We just started talking, whatever. But then they found out I was from Texas, and I am smashed, by the way. So I start laying on thick. Mom, if you're listening, turn this off. Mo, I love you. I'm sorry, but I start laying on thick that everything's bigger in Texas. Bullshit, like hard, like lay, like you know what? It, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Everything's bigger in Texas. Ha ha ha. Till we got upstairs, the girl was, let's say. Um, Disappointed. Moving on. That's awesome. Did you date well, or was it just like one-offs? Like, did you have like a girlfriend, or like you just like you know nights out? I did have some girlfriends for sure. And I, did they speak English? Yeah, varying degrees. Uh, anywhere from like being able to have this sort of conversation we're having to like I like apples. Do you like apples? Yes, I like apples. It's like so. I I've had to run the whole gamut with that in the dating dating that, out in I'm Asia. <laughs> picturing that Friends episode where I forget who it is, but she's dating that guy that can't speak, so all he knows is plate, and he's just like plate. Yeah, this is this is a plate, and I'm guessing that's probably the same uh, same dating style. Okay, so so from there, how did you get into rugby abroad? Well, so I was already had a rugby background. Having I played it. So when I got to Texas State, you know, I was talking about that earlier, I still had plenty to give, like, athletically, and I wanted to compete. But it just it just wasn't going to be football. I didn't know what it was going to be. And rugby just kind of found me. So I de- developed a passion for it, played those three years of college rugby, played a couple years with the Austin Huns. Uh, they actually ended up winning a national championship, by the way. But... Uh, was with the Austin Huns while I was teaching the special ed. Then it was just, I was, the hooks were all the way in with the rugby because it's, I feel like it's got hands down the best culture of any sport. 
too. Like it's an amazing, uh, welcoming, super welcoming culture. Super fun. You know, you have to. There's songs, singing of songs, and there's there's banter and just crazy antics, but none of it is like douchey, like a like a frat. It's like hmm. welcoming of anybody, like drinking beer out of a shoe and like just silly shit. And like, I just knew I wanted to keep plugging into that wherever I was at, as long as my body was going to hold up. And uh, that's what I did. I plugged into it in Seoul. I was part of uh, the Seoul Survivors Rugby Club. We we uh, played a Yellow Sea Cup where we, it was two games each with Shanghai, Beijing, and Taiwan. And uh, Taipei. So you play in a way and then you have a home. And then it's the Yellow Sea Cup. So we were Yellow Sea Cup champions. We went to Manila for the Manila Tins tournament. And then that, you know, that was awesome. And then I was with the Saigon Geckos for the whole time I was in Vietnam. And that was just the most ridiculous cast of characters you can imagine. Japanese, French, uh, Kiwis, Aussies, Irish, English, Scottish... We had one Italian that would sing opera on the tour bus. We had a Russian guy that was just crazy, this dude Pavel. I was the only American dude on the team. There was one guy, Bill, from New York for a little while. But uh, it was awesome, man. It was fucking amazing. Rugby, That's ridiculous. Yeah, rugby has like, enhanced my life in so many ways. Like I'm preaching that rugby gospel wherever I go, man. I'm telling you. That's amazing. I, I already. Well, I was wondering, what do you think it is about rugby that like creates this culture that's so welcoming and accepting? Is it part of the physical nature? Is it just the people that end up playing it? Like, what do you think it is that creates that? I hmm. think it's because it's not inherently an American thing. Because we <laughs> are the. I mean, we're kind of starting to be replaced by the ugly Australian. Maybe you could say. But we were the ugly Americans, like, all our shit's the best, and we're going to call it the World Series, and it's just smacks of arrogance, and, like, and even though it's not our intent, it's, like, somehow not welcoming, just, like, by its very nature. And then football is very, really draconian, top-down. The coaches are telling you the way to stand, the way to move, do this, do that. It's, like too specialized and like whereas rugby is uh firstly it's not american so it's like a different sort of culture pub culture um it's these other english-speaking countries but then it's it's more player driven even though you'll have a coach the coach is uh often a player coach or if they're not they're like an old head that's like just as crazy as you are off the field but yet they're the coach and it's just, it's got a whole different dynamic that's just really hard to explain to people that haven't experienced it, but it's great. I think, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of scratching. No, it, yeah. it does, and it leads me to something I kind of want to talk about, but I've heard it described as, because I have friends, and I've been on the fringe of a lot of rugby players for some reason recently. Like I was telling you off air, my friend that does the VP at Premier Rugby Sevens, and I got a couple of the buddies that do it here. Anyways, I've I've heard it described as it's like a like a football locker room, but with more of a softball feel to it, like more of a softball vibe, like sing songs, chants, fun kind of shit. Where it's also very physical, so like it's like a hybrid of those two is how I've heard it described. But I like that you say 
it's not American. Rugby specifically is not American because football is, and go with me here, incredibly American. And what I mean by that is there are so many rules, and every rule is a harsh infraction. Offsides <laughs> stops everything. We're going to move you back five yards. Like, it, in, and I, I get that you, you can't let a guy run offsides. I understand that. But the idea that it, it's such a drastic, dramatic penalty like the punishing it's just like it's a microcosm of the american system because like i get that it's required you have to have rules you can't just let like a a linebacker sprint towards the quarterback on a bridge three seconds ahead of the snap i get that but if uh, if a left tackle sneezes that's five yards if the tight end accidentally moves his foot a little bit five yards are you lined up? Do you have eight men on the line or seven? Do you have six? You have, that's five yards. It is so much like the American penalization system of you can, you can get in trouble for a lot of shit that is super minor. I mean, there are people with multi-year <laughs> drug convictions right now. They weren't selling it. They didn't do anything with kids. They didn't have guns. They are penalized so harshly, and that is, in my opinion, very football, very America, not at all the European vibe. Is that kind of what you're aiming at? I, I, am I feeling you? Because that, that's admittedly where I wanted to go with this. Bro, I am flushing what you're shitting, 100%. <laughs> I ain't heard that before. I like that. Oh, man, I like that a lot. But, yeah, dude, like, uh, American football, it's just, it's just so strict. And possibly, I'd argue, maybe the strictest sport. Would, would you agree with that? As far as the enforcement of rules, yeah, it's a very more strict man, sport. Man, it is hard to watch. It's like, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still, I'm still a fan. I play. Oh, yeah. I play I'll fantasy. I like. I'm a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I don't know why. I should listen to my best friend that's trying to get me to do Bills Mafia because they look like they're having more fun. But uh, I don't know. I I agree with everything you just said. Yet I remain a fan. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, save, save. Yeah, I think that Cowboys thing just might be in our blood, Blake. I'm the same way. It's miserable, but I'm a fan as well. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I like. I'm a big soccer fan, and I think about sort of the freedom to express personal creativity in that sport, or sort of like the ability to try and make something that's just athletic beautiful. Like even basketball has this in some ways, right? Hell like yes. there's a certain aesthetic thing that's pleasing, and you sort of understand who these people are as athletes at least when you watch them and i don't think you get any of that in football or very very little and i'm wondering if that's sort of what you're getting at joe is sort of this idea that it sort of strips away all these personalities until you're sort of just a a drone trying to accomplish a task which Mm -hmm. (laughs) to draw back to your american metaphor seems to be exactly what we want out of our workforce so i see what you're saying (laughs) You are a number. Literally, oh, my God. You are literally a number on the back of your jersey. That's how we will address you when you do have a foul or a penalty. It'll be number seven, did whatever. Like It's just like in soccer, if the ball is like sort of kind of on the line of, of the edge, like they just kind of let it go. Like If, if it's like kind of close, you just kind of let it go. Rugby, fucking obviously, you just keep playing. Keep fucking playing. Oh, hell yeah. Football is not that way, man. We're going to stop, we're going to talk about it, and then you're going to do exactly what the coach told you to do, and then we're going to come back, and he's going to tell you to do a new thing. That's not soccer. That's not rugby fucking at all. Like, How often during a game, Blake, would your coach tell you specifically what to do? Halftime, that's like, it. You ha- 
Halftime. Yeah. Only. Once. That's it. What Pre and mid-game, and that's fucking it. Yeah. The, the idea that you do you, and we're going to trust that you know what you're doing, that's that's the difference in, in honestly, the, the, the European aspect versus the American aspect of football, I think. Does that make it more fun to play? Like, while on the field, it is way do more you fun feel to more play. free? Huh? Yes, yeah. yes, you have. And to use, like, a term from my uh, education career, you have agency. You know, like, mm. that's what we were mm. trying to do with give kids in these internationals there's agency there's like eric was saying there's you can it's a more full expression of your athleticism like plus the big boys get to have a run they get the, yeah, they yeah. get the ball you get to score <laughs> a you big can dude score. Gets to score it's not super rare like you <laughs> accidentally get a pick six on the three yard line yeah. or something like that that's the only time like a d end is ever going to score whereas rugby you never know everybody gets the ball little, everybody yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, every, yeah, you can get everyone's getting work, and it's I love it. It's great. It's great. It's so I much more fun to play. It. So much more fun. So we won't dwell on this, but and I'm sure Eric <laughs> remembers as well. You snapped your leg playing football, something fierce. Much like Eric, you guys both fucked yourselves up playing football. Yeah, that's did, it. Did you have any rugby injuries? Did you have any you know bad you know, whatevers? Yeah, I've done a shoulder. I did. Did a bad AC separation on a military base in Korea. Like it was, okay. I was on the expat team. You know, we're comprised of all English-speaking nationalities, and we kicked the shit out of all military teams every any time we played them. But they were, to their credit, they were keen and they were physical. They didn't know oh, how to. Head. They weren't as good at rugby as us. But you know, I just got crunched in a. I was carrying the ball and I got tackled and it was about a 300 pounder plus and just kind of smushed my shoulder into the turf and it I did my shoulder. That was probably the worst one. Other ones just like some stitches required on the face. Like a guy's tooth came through his own lip and like went into my forehead and just different things like that. Oh, different different like what? facial cuts or like <laughs> getting getting like stepped on the head by some guy's cleats oh, yeah. or God. but no like no other catastrophic injuries and like back to that football one yeah that's that kind of turned that kind of turned me into an asshole which we got i got a state for the record for any hyde park people listening i was uh, you know pre-injury pre that happening because let's i'll just say i didn't want to be there i was not trying to be in a private school we knew yeah and then uh i was like i resolved that i was going to make the best of it this is okay this will be positive then my leg (laughs) then that happened and i was like fuck everything fuck everybody i was like i hate i I hate it all and uh i just went with that and i was kind of a kind of an asshole so sorry to anybody that if i was an asshole to you but i was a uh a young man just kind of lost like like most young men. <laughs> yeah, and then you fucking couldn't walk. Like, yeah. physically getting out. I was having a conversation with the dude just the other day or whatever, but it was like, I needed that. I needed to hit someone hard and then also to get hit hard. I needed that. I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm not saying that's necessarily <laughs> the, the, the right thing. I'm not telling anybody that you should or shouldn't or your kids or whatever. I don't know. I personally, me, fucking needed that. I needed somebody bigger than me to put me on my ass so I could, like, wake up. But then also to hit him back and see what, like, I just needed that physicality. I, I, I you know, what for whatever it's worth. But that injury, like, 
specifically the one where the tooth hit you in the face. Are you going to cover the scar with a dick tattoo, or is that is that just more <laughs> hypothetical? Anyways, what that does bring up to guys is this week's quiz. Hey, Everybody, oh. get excited! The main uh, status, the main the main uh, research we're going to use here is a. PubMed.ncbi article. Uh, it's a government article, and it did a 2016 study. It compares college football players to college rugby players. And the, the general stats of this is going to be injuries per 1,000 athletic exposures. Any practice lasting more than two hours counts as an athletic exposure. Obviously, games count as athletic exposures. Yeah. With that said, per 1,000, full contact, blah, blah, blah. Who's more likely to have an injury, just in general? Any type of injury. In, injury being defined as anything that causes you to miss a week. You're asking me? Not something that takes you out that day. I, I, I will ask both of you. Football or rugby, according to these guys. I mean, sprains, bruises, anything that causes you to be out for a week. Who's more likely to get one on any given day, a rugby player or a football player? Uh, I'm going to say football purely for the reason that they're probably more reactionary to injuries than rugby players. Uh, well, this is a 2016 of college players, so it's not. These aren't necessarily NFL guys where they're like really worried about their like you know million dollars. I investment. stand by my statements. <laughs> Blake, how are you? I'm gonna say football as well because it's people don't realize that like yeah you're wearing pads, but the pads actually cause many of the injuries. They Guy, allow you to go so much harder. That well, like yeah, an unexposed area with no pads. And you like, let's say your rib cage, for example, then suddenly a helmet is getting buried into mm-hmm. that. A face mask, Good and then and then just the tackling, f- tackling in football is pathetic. It's horrible form, hmm. not just for safety reasons, but for like utility purposes on the field. They don't wrap up. They do flying elbows or shoulders, just or to head. like back in the day. Yeah, we were taught like, lead with your head. It's not. A rugby tackle is so much more fundamentally sound hitting the guy at the waist and wrapping around the back of the legs. You stop all leg drive and you get you get the man down safely yeah, and effectively. Like the Seahawks Legion of Boom actually, they brought in rugby people to teach the rugby tackling form. No shit. And there's a lot to that, how dominant they were as a defense, I feel like. So I'm going with rugby Less injuries in football. Interesting. According to PubMed, uh, football players, out of 1,000 athletic exposures, five on average, five out of 1,000 is an injury, whereas rugby players is 15. Oh, man. Bollocks. According to to PubMed. (laughs) All right. But then here's the question. Uh, Season-ending injuries, not just like little sprains. I mean talking season-ending injuries. We're talking six <laughs> weeks or more. What sport is more likely to have that style injury? Yeah, I'm with Blake football. Just keep picking on football. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're basically the same. Okay. Rugby is one out of 1,000, and football is 0.8 out of 1,000. But as far as I'm concerned, that's negligible. That's the fucking whatever. Concussion. That seems like a really low number. I'm stunned by this. Now, now that's, that's like again, pubmed.ncbi.nlm.gov. That's that's where I found this. Now, you know, obviously they could be wrong. It's, it's just, it, it, whatever. Concussion rates. Who do you think is more, rugby or football? Man, I'm just going to keep picking on football. Fuck football. <laughs> well, going back to Blake's ex- explanation of tackling and having a helmet, football makes sense here because you tend to be more 
reckless with your head when you have a helmet on. So I would say football for that reason. I, everything y'all are saying is logical, and I'm starting to question this this research article because whatever. Because especially because Blake and I were taught. I remember being told specifically: lead with your head, lead with your face, put your face into their chest. Like you're going to knock yourself out, as I did. But according to this thing, football is uh, one in one thousand, and rugby is two okay. in one thousand. You know, I, again, these are all very negligible <laughs> numbers, obviously, whatever. But here's one that has nothing to do with anything. Concussions. They affect the specific glands in your body that are responsible for regulating your hormones. How many of these glands do they affect? Bonus points if you can name them. It is, where are these glands located? It, in your body, but the, it, it's controlled uh, by the, the changing of the chemicals in your brain when you get a concussion. I've heard about some of this, like silent explosions, like uh, military personnel with concussive blasts and th- so forth. Hmm. So Is you, that a thing? Yeah, and it's a good segue into psycho- into mushrooms, which can repair these damage. Yes, they can. That's what, dude. Mushrooms, as a uh, in fact, Denver's looking into it. They're, they're trying to decriminalize it for PTSD for, for basically for any any even if you don't have PTSD, but any military member because it's supposed to help you a lot. But anyways. Concussions affect how many glands in your body that regulate your hormones? At least, at least two, because you got the pituitary in the head and whatever that other one's called. You got one, and yes. I can't remember the other one. One of them is like the third eye one, and then the other is like more toward sinus kind of related. Located. I can't remember what it's what the other You're dead on. Though. E, what you got? Okay. Give it a guess. Uh, yeah, I was going to say four because I had science from a Christian school, so I don't know anything about this. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you were dead on. Uh, it's the pituitary and the pineal. There you go. Uh, I couldn't. That, that's that the that one a concussion changes, supposedly, according to these people, it changes the actual brain chemistry, which can affect your emotions. It can affect a, a lot of different things. So, I mean, you know, whatever. Interesting detail I noticed while researching this shit. Um, articles written, like, 2014 and before focused on knee injuries, MCL, ACL, ankles, and that kind of stuff on, on both rugby and football. Anything 2015 and later, it's all concussions. It's, it's, it's as if our collective zeitgeist realized oh shit concussions are probably the more important thing here <laughs> and you can see it like literally whatever the article year is you can tell without even looking at the, the year you can tell by how many times they say the word concussion it's fantastic it's i mean good i think i mean as, as a person who's had many did you had did you ever have any concussions or did you just fuck up your knee like oh i had one yeah that first as you know like i the leg got fucked up then i was Oof. junior year that was up. sophomore year then Junior year, I had to be a lineman. I was an offensive lineman, and that like, I wasn't a lineman. I was a fullback, (laughs) and uh, I was a defensive end as well, and instead of a linebacker, just because it took two years to recover, not fully, because I'm still not fully recovered, but to recover as much as I was going to, given the nerve damage and all the things that happened, but. God damn it. I forgot the question. What'd you ask? <laughs> Concussions. I feel like you got... Oh, yeah. That's it. Uh, first game of senior year, the Fort Worth Country Day. First play of the first game. Uh, opening. I, oh, I took on the fullback and, like, threw him, discarded him, and then, like, ran over the running back. It was actually a highlight play. 
Yet I was I remember it. I was concussed you in the process. It many times. I was concussed and uh, and I knew I was when I couldn't I I had forgotten all the defensive hand signals from coach to great. I was like <laughs> I don't know what this means. I had to get <laughs> Scott Rubio to like yep, do you yep. do you know these cuz I I fucking don't know what he's what the defense is anymore. I could just Scott. tackle people that have the ball. That's all I can do. Just aim for the ball. <laughs> Scott Rubio, uh, Vance isn't here tonight. He was going to be, but uh, he still challenges you uh, to a duel. Uh, just so you know, you and Greg Abbott and, uh, I don't know, somebody else in a wheelchair. Stephen Allen, examples. too. Thank you very much, Stephen Allen. Thank you, And Stephen Hawking. A lot of Stevens. Anyway, so uh, Rubio, just so you know, there's that. Favorite music or art or or just you know an interesting non-american thing that you found overseas like were you drawn to to anything like that as far as i mean just just branching away from the sports topic altogether were you drawn to anything in that realm the arts realm oh for sure yeah i will uh this isn't a uh this isn't a personal attack on the about the question but i don't i don't like favorite questions because uh Uh, fair fair you know those types, but uh, music, man, anything that sounds good and they're saying something, and you can feel that passion coming through. So mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, I heard some dope music for sure. Like, uh, in my there's a Mongolian metal band called the Who H U. Okay, they're, have you ever heard them? I haven't, but I dig it already. And they they go hard. Yeah, you should listen to some of that and just. Yeah, I've heard like live musicians and like playing the folk, the folksy music in whatever country, like like Turkey or anywhere. And that I'm just digging any of those like traditional instruments, dude. I've, I've from... been in the sitar lately a lot. Like I, I've been delving into as much of that as I can find. Uh, Bloody Wood is a, a great metal band that also features a sitar. They're out of India. They're amazing. It, it, it's fantastic. But the, it's so... it's just, And I'm sure it's not like that crazy or unique if you grow up around there. But if you grow up where we grew up in the South, it is so opposite, you know, Southern Texas rock and Southern Texas country. <laughs> and even obviously Southern Texas hip-hop. Mike Jones does not sound at all like the people you were listening to over there. And that's, that's just, just like... What, was there as much of a focus on, on musical celebrity? as we have I mean I know the answer is no but like in your opinion was it as, as crazy like people throwing bras on stage and you know, like, going crazy to try to be a groupie like is that the same over there I mean as far uh, as like, Asian specific no not at all like and uh, you were asking about art yeah my house is full of uh, all kind of eclectic stuff that I've like picked up different places but music uh, and people back in that way no not apart from like K-pop yeah, Which I was going like, to say, K-pop's a different of thing. Of course. Yeah, that's a... It's like... <laughs> it's it's like a... They man, it's manufactured, like... They'll take a thousand young girls and, like, only maybe five are going to actually be made into, like, a K-pop person. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's how they do it. They just play the numbers game, gather up as much potential talent as possible put it at like a k-pop campus and then like that's all they fuck that's all they do every day is like seeing dance like make little winky gestures and like everything that you see with k-pop that like makes it popular it's so like it's overproduced and like it's like a factory 
system with that. It's mechanical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Factory is the right word. Absolutely, factory is the right word. All right, so how about food? What, what, anything you found that blew you away? And, you know, obviously, yeah. It, what, it just, just hit me because like, I, I am so not well-versed in, in anything over there. So just hit me. What did you find you like? What did you find you hated? So much good food. So much. I love, Thai food's probably my favorite. I love Thai talk. food. It's yeah. so good. I like, I'm a glutton for uh, heat, spice. I'll just like, I'll tell them like, give me the Thai spicy. And they're like, I can tell that they're like, Hear what no, I'm no, saying? No, you want yeah. you want the white spicy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you want American cracker spice. I want local <laughs> spice. Give me local spice. Yeah, give it to. I feel like like a junkie. I'm like, no, no, I can handle it. Like, just just give it to me. I can Hell take it. Yes. And, Ride that uh, dragon. I, like, <laughs> I love the Thai food. Uh, the Korean barbecue is excellent. The Vietnamese mm-hmm. food, obviously, where I spent six, seven, six years. The noodle soups. Or the big thing with Vietnamese, uh, Japanese, they just like do everything well. They're just hmm, like yeah. it doesn't matter what we're talking about with Japanese. Like they just they're just quality about anything they do, and they oh. have excellent food. Like the most Michelin restaurants per capita, like of anywhere in the world in Japan. Is that right? Yeah. I, I did, I've never heard that. Yeah, it's sort of their food culture to like choose one thing and become expert at one thing. So like, if you're going to survive there, you got to be really fucking good. You better have an A plus dish, and that's pro- okay. Well, I, I mean, I can take that. Ah, oh, shit, I'm going to butcher this quote, but Bruce Lee said something like, "I'm not scared of the man who's practiced a thousand punches. I'm scared of the man who's practiced one punch a thousand times." Like, <laughs> I know he's not Japanese, but it feels very similar. Like, that's the idea. You better get good at one fucking thing, otherwise, you're going to blend into the milieu of like average. Hundred percent. You bring up a good point about like the backpacker trail. There'll be these restaurants where they're like French, American, Mexican, and it's like you never trust those. They hand you the menu and it's like twenty pages. It's like you true here can't too. be good at fucking chalupas and also you have uh, pad thai and, and, the same and chicken piccata. Like, like it's not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> chicken fried steak, biscuits and gravy. Yeah, we got everything, dude. No, that's to be fair. That's true anywhere. If you hand me a menu, like even the cheesecake factory, like I know people like it and that's fine. You're allowed to like it, but that menu is like. It's got like 300 things on it. You can't be good at 300 things. Nobody's good at 300 things. I don't. And also, besides the fact that Cheesecake Factory, the, the chef in the back is just a stoned 18 year old. So, like, let's not pretend that this is. Anyway, I like that. that. That's fantastic. How about, like, and this is a weird question, I admit. Interesting traditions that you tried to absorb or implement, you know, cultural differences or whatever that you've tried to bring back or just add to your life. Anything that stands out? Uh,. Well, there's one. I'm not saying I'm not trying to add it to my life, but I did try dog meat once. Okay. You know, I'm not trying to continue eating dog meat, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) no. So you'll find many places. It wasn't good enough to continue eating, is what you're saying, or it's just I did not. uh, I'll explain like how. Like, okay, so this is Vietnam. I'm talking about, and. If you're the eldest son in a family, it's your duty, and it's almost like a religious rite because they're Buddhist, yet they're, they practice ancestor worship, in a sense. So if you're the eldest son, if you have a deceased parent, uh, especially a father, it's your duty to like have their birthday 
every year after they pass. So like they'll get the the traditional uh, older generation will get dog meat for that. So I was living in a in an apartment that was like a level of a guy's house, and it was very important to him to him that I attend that party. This guy's name was Peter, and he was a South Vietnamese captain during the Vietnam War, and then he got put in a re-education camp in the wake of all that, and like, and then he, once he got out of that, he came and raised his family in the U.S., so he went back when he felt like it was safe to like go back and retire, because it's way cheaper. So anyway, he was hosting his dad's deal, and he had the dog meat, and he was real proud that he had it, and... I didn't like it. It was a texture thing, and it was the sauce that they have that they think goes great with it. It's like a sh- uh, purple shrimp paste sauce that's partic- actually quite revolting. I did not <laughs> like it at all, and uh, I wasn't gonna not have any. I mean, he sure, wanted he me to, to have it, and yeah, he yeah. he gave me a nice cognac chaser to to go with it. Okay, there you go. Well, <laughs> right. But you know, dog so, meat. It's a thing. But that's like, to them, dog meat's like, that's a, that's a special, it's a rarity. Or like, that comes out for special occasions. For the older generation. And they, there's professional, like, dog catchers there that will steal your dog. My friend Kent at the international school had his golden retriever, Bruce, was stolen. And uh, I've actually been to, like, Vietnam is, has a street for everything. Like, if you want an aquarium, there's, like, aquarium street. If you want, like, sport ball, there's, like, sports street where they only sell that stuff. I can dig that. Anything. Cameras, like, any... They probably even have a dildo street there where it's just... That is my favorite street. I don't know. I've been there. That's a good time. That's a good good day. (laughs) But there's a dog street. There's a dog street, bro. And they had dogs on hooks that are, like, already field-dressed and... No, 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 no. Yes. Like they got them in cages, like, on oh, the like, I ground. This. And I hate this. People, That'd be a trip. You don't go to the pound if you got a lost dog. You go there no, first. You go there first. You buy your dog back from the fucking dog meat guy. I I know I'm a hypocrite. I just went last month. There's a there's a farm not too far from our house. They sell steaks by the like you know however many pounds mm. at a time. It's big. And I just went and collected a huge stack of meat. And I know there's no difference. It's an animal's an animal. But fuck, I hate this so much. I hate knowing <laughs> this. I could have gone without knowing it. My God. But that is. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's interesting as fuck. So like, they, as far as just like, they can just grab a dog, and that's that's just like culture like it's just if they found it on the street it's mine now that's just that's just how that goes that can happen there's don't get me wrong there's plenty of people the vietnamese that love dogs have their own dogs as pets they find this all deplore as deplorable as you do and they hate it but there's these opportunists there that like that's how they make their living is by dog snatching man yeah I mean, it, it's not that much different. When I was in Austin many, many years ago, uh, I, I was on my way home from work one day, and I, I, for whatever reason, I was just like, I'm going to take a different way home than usual. And I took a way home I'd never taken home before, and I saw a dog on the street. So I just, like, pulled over, threw him in the car, and, like, drove him around the neighborhood trying to find anybody that knew this dog. And nobody knew him. Nobody recognized him. I called the number. Nobody answered. I was like, well, fuck, you're my dog now. I guess I was like, let's come home. And we eventually <laughs> got a hold of the, the actual owner. And it was an illegal dog breeding business. They had, like, 300 dogs in their backyard in a fucking neighborhood. So, like, they had no space. It was terrible, blah, blah, blah. That's not... 
that that's not like only in one country. That's worldwide. Uh, the, the hustlers that are going to be slightly bending the rules, if not terribly bending the rules, they're, they're going to hustle everywhere. So I'm not. I'm not. I, I get it. In your opinion, and this is not a fair question, you're not speaking for anybody, do you think that's slowly phasing out? Do, do you think the idea of dogs as pets is slowly going to overtake dogs as food? I, f- I think again, so. You know, you're not, I'm not, likely. Yeah. That's likely. That's likely. Yeah. I could see that happening. Um, what I just heard is 100% by next week they're shutting down Dog Street. Thank you very much <laughs> for that information. Reverse culture shock. When you get back to Texas or, or, or wherever the fuck you, you know, first landed and came back, uh, what was that like? Because I did not spend near the amount of time overseas, but I do remember coming back being like, holy shit, this place is not what I remember it being. It's not the same. I, I held America on a pedestal until I looked around. Did you? I did as well, and there, was, there were a few years where, I mean, actually throughout, but like, to a lesser and lesser degree as I went along in my expat life, I had dropped entitlement. I had to keep and dropping it and dropping it and dropping more and dropping a little more. So like that was a thing like uh, in country, like while I was in these places, you have to, man, you're, it is not going to change for you (laughs) in that place. You're going to have to change for it. But then, in, in t- like the, what you asked first, like getting back home, I just discovered that people actually didn't give a fuck about like what my experiences were. They were they were good. They would maybe they were good for like a story, like a story, mm-hmm. and then they were like, okay, cool, like moving on. Yeah, like yeah. Back. I want back to my normal. <laughs> let's talk about you know. Let's talk about the Spurs or the Cowboys or whatever. Yeah. That's, fine. Yeah. that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't have a frame of reference for, like, what my experiences were. And, it doesn't uh, make sense. And I it's like telling someone yeah. about a dream. Like, here's a dream I had. It's like, eh, okay, cool. Like, I, you know, whatever. Like, th- th- these are very real things that very absolutely happen, but it, I, I can't. Un- yeah. I, in the same way that just hearing Dog Street is just blowing my mind, if you've never been outside the country, and I'm not judging anybody, do, do whatever you want to do. You don't have to leave. But, like, if you've never been outside to see America for the difference, you know, in a different light, it, it is, it's hard to comprehend. When you first came back, were you, did you, like, did you view America more negatively or just differently? Like, can you can you slice it that thin? I would say differently. I had an enhanced like love and appreciation for the land, for like mm-hmm. the actual land and the vibration of our land. Like, I feel like everything has a vibration, and like, I feel I identify with like Texas Hill Country, granite, and like the waterways, like the San Marcos River. I was like awesome to be back like holding communion with those things but the people I've I found many of them to just be insufferable and I uh, I couldn't pretend that I liked them anymore (laughs) wow Uh, that's interesting so uh, wow that is interesting all right dude like we're coming up on 45 minutes and i have literally a page worth of questions that we're gonna have to skip because i i, I want to just like this is this is insane you have you have so many stories it, seriously please come back on i want yeah. more of these stories yeah. I, i'm not not kidding 100 so um you said that you stayed in an, in an ashram which is a there's a it's a hindu not a temple necessarily fuck it where did you stay how about you tell me why am i trying to tell you the ashram you stayed in go Okay, I've stayed in a couple. One was in Rishikesh, India, 
which is where the Beatles went to be with Maharishi, like mm-hmm. to oh, do the, the transcendental yeah. meditation. So yeah. that that's actually that ashram is actually a ruin now that you can go walk around. A ruin. And there's all what kind happened? of cool. Sh- I don't know. I just fell into like whoever owned it, or there was some, Man. you know, some different things around like ownership and money or whatever. But it's like it's like a ruin now, and you can just walk around there, and there's all kind of murals to like the Beatles and cool cool art, and there's like individual meditation, uh, like little weird little in like tp like little cone stone houses or something like all over the place it's a bizarre place to like walk around but like it's a trip so like i and like that that city in india is like a it's uh it's really high up on like the ganges uh river like before it gets polluted as it flows through india Hmm. so it's like really clean up there and it's like a pilgrimage site so it's like one of their holy cities, and I I stayed in an ashram there called like uh, Pool Chati. It was just real stripped down, like bare bones kind of place, like not like a yuppie uh, glamping ashram because like they have those too. Oh, is it, do they have ashrams for like a white people? Oh here? yeah, they got like super comfortable ones. Like, yeah, they got they got to pray loved ones for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> supposed to be getting over yourself, and yet. You have everything no, no. that you want, and you're entitled. You're on a leather couch. Yeah, you're not. You're not beating <laughs> your own ego with this. That's not. Yeah. Happening. So I stayed in that one for ten days, and I learned some some good techniques and meditative techniques. We did some some rituals that like I don't believe in like rituals necessarily, but it's like the collective energy that gets like thrown into it that makes it worthwhile it's not like the act itself it's that everyone that's doing it together like creates a vibration like as one group so we did some of those we did some of those things and then another one i stayed at and this was just like i had friends like weren't trying to warn me off of it even though i was 100 percent aware of like where i was staying and where i was going it was a uh an osho one in uh, Nepal, it was like, have you seen Wild Wild Country or heard of Wild Wild Country? Yes, Netflix? yes. It's that guy, Bagwan. Okay, gotcha. Like it, so people are like, have you seen Wild Wild Country? And that's a cult, and this guy's nuts. But if you actually start learning about some of what he thought and like what he said, and like the guy was like onto something, yet yet this crazy thing happened out in Oregon with his. With his brand of uh, spiritual spirituality, I guess you could say. But like, so I went to one of the I went to one of those in Nepal, and uh, that was another that was a week, and there was it was a little weird. Like some of the I wasn't part of like this one uh, track you could get on. It was called Mystic Rose or something. It was like an advanced uh, stay, and those people were pretty weird. I'm not going to lie. They were like <laughs> shouting and screaming and like just crying. And then there was this Japanese guy I really didn't like very much. He was just, he would always look at me weird and just like burst out laughing and like act crazy. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is whack. <laughs> is, is, are, are these places 
is it all mental or are there chemicals? Are, are people taking substances to, to achieve whatever they're aiming for? No, I don't think that's that's generally not prescribed like in this the yogic like tradition. Like yeah. they, they'll tell you that they think it's like a portal. It's a portal like into spirituality, but like it can be mishandled or like mis- it can overwhelm a newcomer. To like a spiritual path, it could be like too much for them, like a bad trip. Yeah, yeah. Like if it's amazing and it's good for you, and like it's not bad in and of itself. But if you're like, if you're coming into it with like the wrong set and setting, and you're not paying attention to where where you're at, and oh yeah, like it could turn into a nightmare for you because it's just too much, too soon, too fast. Yeah, it's not always the thing or belief that's bad; it's the application of that thing, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yep. it. Which is which is perfect because I, I do want to try to you know we'll, we'll round out the last like, however many more minutes we got. Let here. me read something to you. Were you? Yeah, read. Oh, something. hit me. What, what do you got there? What is that? This is. Uh, I actually was waiting to read this quote to you. Here is like where. Uh, let me try to like explain where I'm coming from here. Hell so yeah. okay. Here is the major difference between the source of creation and the rest of creation. This is Karma by Sadhguru, by the way, the book. Here it goes. The source of creation is pure intelligence that creates memory out of itself. The rest of creation projects memory as intelligence. So, I feel like the full range of like is accessible to any person and like we have all these have had all these ascended masters like throughout the ages like Jesus, Buddha, whoever else Mm -hmm. and uh, it's been a lie that's been told to us that like humankind is inherently bad and sinful when in fact we're just we're just caught up in this wheel of uh, karma and creation that like we were just psyching ourselves out and like we could we could actually have it for ourselves now you can know god now and you can you can have heaven on earth like and like there's i just feel like all the bible stuff and i had to deprogram myself on all of it but like dude i wanted to dig it's metaphor it's all metaphorical you know it's like none of it is literal and it's all metaphorical and and uh, I'll let you ask me more questions. We'll go further down this road. Oh, I'm but... intrigued, <laughs> dude, dude. Well, even just that—the that the intelligence is the start. The, the the very base day one or step one of, of existence is intelligence. Oddly enough, I could mirror that with the Bible. That in the beginning there was the Word, and it's kind of the, the same Word idea. is all. Hey now, That's but, the okay. Word. So were were you were you Christian at Hyde Park, or, or at any time were, would you consider yourself to have been back in the day Christian? Uh, no, not as it is understood by most Southern American <laughs> American people. Fair. Look, man, I wear this cross I got in Yerevan, Armenia, but oh shit, that's the Christian I, cross. I like having it on, and it feels good. I like it's got a vibration that I that I really like. But uh, man, it's like Gnostic Christianity, though. It's not. Hmm. It's hmm. you know like the 
the lost books that weren't included, like Book of Thomas and so forth, that portray a more mystical Jesus. That there's a between a certain age, I forget, and like his active years preaching, like a, before the crucifixion, and all that. There's nothing, and I learned that a lot of people believe that he traveled to India to Kashmir and studied under studied with an Indian mystic and I just feel like there's a science to spirituality that it's not inaccessible there's an actual science to it you got the ancient Vedic scriptures you got all these different things and he went and learned all that and became an ascended master then came back and did all did what he did so it's like I have it on and I wear it but like I feel like people see it and they think it means I'm the same as maybe they are like the hateful Southern Baptists I came to like really despise and I'm like nah man nah like we're not on the same page but like that's okay like you can't shock you can't give people a message that they're not ready to receive so it's not like I can't I can't just bludgeon people with this these uh, insights and I also can't, shouldn't have an ego about having the insights in the first place. It's like, I get all kinds of fucked up with this stuff. And like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just don't know. Right. I'm Dude, just, but it's, it's, I'm always it's changing my mind. I'm always like, I'm open to all new in, information. You should. Yeah. yeah. Going That's back to that quote though, like, isn't that part of the intelligence is that constant seeking of it, yeah. right? Like, isn't that yeah. sort of what rigidity? Rigidity equals stale. I mean, it, you know, a pond that never moves gets gross. Like that—that's it's the same with our minds. If you only draw wisdom from one source, you're, you're gonna get stale. You're gonna just—it's it, you know—it's just called the mind death. You're, you're not going to progress if you're not trying to pull from multiple sources. Which is interesting. I hadn't heard that about potentially Jesus having gone, but but it makes sense. I mean, to to look at the guy that, that you know that told the the church don't sell shit here and flipped over tables and whatnot, and then try to. Pretend that he wasn't at least a little bit spiritual and kind of psychedelic and kind of out there. Like you can't justify that. You can't. You you, you can't coalesce those two concepts. I mean, my guy spoke in nothing but metaphor. So like, literally, <laughs> always, like everything he said. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's, it's, it's all. It's all. Can, it's all multi-layered. The guy that I think Jesus was, or at least the guy that I want Jesus to have been, is an awesome dude. The guy that gets portrayed at, not necessarily always, but that's what I want to try to. And this is impossible to do. I like that you seem to be more, you seem to really enjoy or delve into or at least resonate with the vibration of things, which I have not studied very well, I admit. I'm not, I'm not well versed here. But the concept of the vibration of life or the concept of everything, all matter, really just is energy. We're, we're, we're all just yeah. a vibration. Is that the vibration that you're referencing? That's it, man. And it's all at very different densities according to its own memory. Like, hmm. if I always do a shit job of like remembering what I read, Same. and that's ego that's too. I shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't need to be able to. Uh, what am I saying? See, I can't yeah, even perfect say. Perfect recollection yeah, is not. I shouldn't required. need to. Re- I shouldn't need to just be able. And that's what that happens in politics too. Like, what are your sources, bro? Like, mm-hmm. can you mm-hmm. can you reference me something? 
I was like, no, no, man. I no, I can't. Not like right now. No. Yeah, I'm drinking. But uh, yeah, like uh, something, Dude. something came from nothing, and it's all the same particles. Yet, 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 it's different. So what? Mm. It, what? How, what accounts for that? It's like it has its like own memory, and like by memory, I mean like any DNA code or any. Is like is memory stored in like the double helix like mm-hmm. spun together DNA to the it's atomic a, it's, level? It's memory in a sense, and then it's and then the next the particles will organize according to that memory. Like and but it's actually all the same. So like when people say it's all good, it's like I have a saying that's like it's all God. It's just like. There's a Hindu thing. They say Hari Om Tat Sat. God is in everything. It's like, and you feel that when you're tripping on psychedelics. You're like, Shit, yeah, you, you could get lost in a like trash bag just looking at the different colors and like textures of a trash bag or anything. Any I've been stupid lost in my thing. own jacket. Yeah, I've could, been lost in my own jacket for the better part of hours. You could get so. lost. But e, what anything. you got? E, I, I see that face. E, what, what you got? <laughs> well, I was just curious if this practice of like feeling vibrations or trying to understand the true what did you say the intelligence of things are there things you specifically do is there like an actual practice thing you do to try and pick this up or is this just something that grows out of a certain self-discovery in of itself oh i don't i don't uh purport to like be able to pick it up or I don't think I see auras or anything like that, but like just what I've learned and like what I've experienced through, yeah, psychedelics, but also just other transcendent transcendent experiences that weren't, had nothing to do with psychedelics, just like amazing moments, you know, and then it's like I was saying earlier, there's been like an ancient science of spirituality through the yogic, yogic tradition and like the Vedic scriptures and just things that predate any Christianity things and like anything else. And, uh, a lot of what they say keeps, is just being reaffirmed by science. Yet we're so arrogant in our science that like, even the science becomes another ego trap and another mm-hmm. belief system it becomes rigid in and of itself. And it's like, just to give one example, like the mycelium network and like how plants communicate with each other through that Dude. underground, They're like trees can communicate with each that, other. That they literally can. That would have sounded like like hippie druggy nonsense until it didn't, because mm-hmm. like, but like there's so many examples of stuff like this that like have been known by the ancients, yet we don't give them any credit. We think that we're like discovering all this for the first time ever. Just because, like, maybe they knew it in a wisdom sense, but we just couldn't buy it because, like, it needed to be measured by our technology. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but they kind of did already know it. Yeah. But we just didn't. Just, like, I keep running into those examples. I keep running into that stuff over and over and over again. And I can't reference them for you, like, specifically, but, like, seek and oh, you shall that. find is kind of, like, my deal. Yeah, it, that reminds me. I read this book called Wayfinding about sort of the 
ancient art of how people found their way around things. And it was literally just talking about the idea that like the human brain is capable of incredible things like finding its way back home generationally, right? Like being able to understand where you are as an entire race of people. And what you're saying sort of reminds me of that in sort of how people function spiritually. Shit, yeah. I mean, the Indian tradition, you know, the, the red dot on the forehead is meant to mark the pineal gland, which you know, I'm not going to wax poetic too much, but like it, it, in lizards, it has a lens. It actually can blink. It, like it, this pineal gland is technically an eye of sorts. They knew that however many years ago, hundreds if not thousands. Our scientists didn't know about it till like the 40s. And we pretended that we discovered it. Our scientists were like, hey, we found this thing. Meanwhile, Indians have been having dots on their head on purpose to help accentuate and open that for millennia. And it's, it's the same thing like you were saying. Like we, we love to pat ourselves on the back that we figured it out or that we measured it. When in a lot of these, a lot of these things have been around since forever. We, we, we've known them in a way. But, you know, it, it's almost... We, we do, we prefer, if we can put a ruler to it, we feel better about it. At least as an American. <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that We require that. If I can't tell you the specifics of it, I don't want to hear it because, you know, America. And I, and I like facts. <laughs> it's just a very weird thing we do. Oh, Lordy, dude, I, I, I am, I, seriously, I'm looking at this entire page full of questions of, about shit that we want to get back into. Right, do you want to come back? Because I want you to come back. Please come back is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, so yeah I can come back. back. I was, I think I've drank a, a bit too much wine. I was like... <laughs> As I was talking about some of these things, I, I, I slurred a word or two there. So edit that out, please. Hey, I ain't judging you at all, bro. I have said way worse. Probably fully sober, so don't worry about it. It's all good. Um, yeah, dude, uh, E, last thought. You, you got something there? Because your face says you have something. No, just that I would be fascinated to hear more from Blake because the life experiences you have had have, are just – so you say people don't want to hear it, but I want to hear it. So I'm I do. very oh my curious God. Yeah, I do. to like – pick your brain about things because I think it's a very interesting one and I think there's a lot we can all learn from it me particularly who doesn't go anywhere or do anything so <laughs> <laughs> and yeah nice. when you, especially Blake when you're back at home because right now I mean you're in a fucking hotel like I, I drink hard when I'm at a hotel because you have nothing better to do so let's mm-hmm. seriously bro I, I'm down for round two and uh, and seriously man thank you for coming on this was awesome I, I loved this so thank you man yeah, awesome. hell yeah man who, who doesn't like talking about themselves for an hour plus <laughs> Like, let's, let's be real. Yeah, I love it. Nah, but I it's, uh, it. I'm glad that y'all are interested in what I had to say. And yeah, most people don't want to hear about it because it's, right. it might, sh- and I don't want to make them uncomfortable or make people jealous or to disrupt people. But like, I think that's kind of where it's coming from because it's like, you're going to, you're going to kind of knock someone off kilter if you. If you come on too strong with too many things, people like their routines. Man. <laughs> it's a, people, it's people hard to really challenge like people routines. in like a one-off setting. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a bit, it's a bit socially weird. Let's put it that way. That's it. Yeah, that's Absolutely. It. Set and setting, Love. just like the mushrooms and shit. Yeah. Just, honestly, just like this podcast, bro. You're in a hotel in a state you don't live in. You're gonna, you're gonna drink too much. It's gonna happen. Go Hyde Park. Uh, go Jesus. I don't know what. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, See yeah, yeah. Go, go Jesus. Go Jesus. Go Buddha. Go, go all those, all yeah. the ascended Go ninja. Go ninja. Go. go ninja. Go ninja. Go. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. Y'all.